This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. Today, we're going to talk about trash, how we throw it out, and why that matters so much. Also, where it ends up. That's the sound of compost being processed at a facility in Vernalis, which is near Tracy. It's where organic material from San Francisco, as well as parts of the East Bay and South Bay, gets shipped to. Chronicle reporter Chase DeFlici Antonio spent some time reporting there. In his latest story, he highlights what some are saying is the state's largest overhaul of its trash industry since the 1980s. So is that is that finished compost, or is yes. that, that, that that's the good stuff? That's the good stuff. The good stuff. Some farmers call it black gold, mineral-rich food that's good for crops. And black gold is really valuable. That's why California is investing in it heavily. Composting, the process of separating food scraps from our regular trash and recycling, is a key component of fighting climate change. But even for green cities like San Francisco, California has an infrastructure problem. Composting is a lot more complex than simply throwing your orange peels and moldy leftovers in the green bin instead of the black one. Chase DeFelici Antonio is here to explain the new composting law in California, how it's going to affect our trash bills, and why dumping our food waste in compost bins is such a game changer for Mother Earth. Later, I'll chat with Chronicle reporter Dustin Gardner about another side of the trash industry, recycling. Unlike composting, it's something that's been fairly ingrained in our trash disposal behavior, but that industry, which was built decades ago, isn't working out. Nearly a third of our cans and bottles are still ending up in landfills. Dustin will explain why, but let's start with Chase DeFelice Antonio. Chase, thanks for joining me on Fifth and Mission. Glad to be here. So I think many of us sort of understand why composting is important, but help us break it down. Why is throwing something like my apple core in the garbage versus a compost bin, why is that a big deal? So this is almost one of the most important and fascinating parts of this whole process is organic material acts differently when you throw it in the trash and it gets sent to a landfill versus when you throw it in that green bin and it gets sent to a composting facility. That's because when you put it in the black trash bin, uh, what ultimately happens is it decomposes differently uh, with and then later without oxygen and it emits methane, which is a planet warming gas. It's something that gets uh, really rapidly released and uptaken into the atmosphere. And it's a fast acting gas that's difficult to, to capture and stop. So the more uh, landfills we have with more organic material, they're going to pour off more methane. And that's really significant because that's a significant amount of California's uh, planet warming emissions that it creates to come from methane coming out of landfills. Mm-hmm. If you take that same item, for the example, an apple core and put it into the compost, it breaks down differently. It's still going to emit some gas, but there's they aerate those compost piles that they uh, create. It's a whole many weeks, uh, multi-month process that happens. Um, and it emits a lot less methane. And you're also getting something out of it. A farmer, they can buy that 
and uh, they can put it down on, for example, on a vineyard. So composting is really important. So what is California now saying about its goals around composting? And what will it take to meet those goals? Will it be a really big undertaking that's potentially also really expensive? Yes. The short answer is absolutely. Um, This is something that the state has been uh, thinking about and working on since about 2016. The law that took effect uh, just recently, January 1st, is called SB 1383. That was passed in 2016, signed by then Governor Jerry Brown. And the idea was to, over time, uh, decrease the amount of organic material that gets sent to landfills uh, by about half uh, by 2020, based on 2016 levels, and then again by 75% going into 2025. Um, we did not reach the 2020 goal. Obviously, the pandemic was a part of that, but it illustrates how uh, problematic and, and difficult this is to get a state as large and diverse and complex uh, as California on the same page, uh, even though the state is off, and many of its cities, including San Francisco, are often seen as these uh, leaders in the green industry. The state has said that it's likely to cost in the billions of dollars, many billions of dollars to uh, expand out current composting capacity that needs to be something like 100 new facilities built statewide. Um, They're looking at uh, 27 million tons of organic material that uh, would have to be processed if we were to reduce by uh, 75% uh, based on 2016 numbers, uh, the amount of organics that go into landfills by 2025. It's a really big undertaking, and it really comes down to cities, municipalities, and really smaller communities to make this happen, and it's expensive. Um, It's this problem that really starts with people separating compost, like we've been trained so much since we were uh, young to separate Mm -hmm. our recycling. Now it's this new way of thinking about it. That's the micro level, and the macro level is what's happening in Vernalis, which essentially the Mm -hmm. state will need to create more of, which is these giant facilities um, on this huge scale uh, processing essentially tens of thousands, millions of tons of, uh, of waste. Chase, what you said is pretty striking. The state is going to need to build 100 new facilities like the one you visited in order to process the millions of tons of compost needed to meet the state's goals. How are local jurisdictions thinking about this? Jurisdictions have uh, passed their own uh, laws and plans to, to comply with this uh, SB 1383 law, which is really important because CalRecycle, the state's recycling department, um, has said we, they want to work with, with localities. The idea here is not to punish people, but the law does have uh, a stick in it, which is that if you are really uh, recalcitrant, non-compliant, you can be fined up to $10,000 a day as a city or a municipality if you don't comply with this. I mean, that's not something that's going to happen right away, but that's a possibility if uh, a particular city or one of their, there's 450 recycling jurisdictions around the state. Cities have come up with plans and they're raising their rates to essentially pay for those plans. Or uh, the state also passed a law last year uh, in 2021 that uh, if a city is essentially can't do this yet, if they don't have the money, the pandemics affected them, as is the case for many uh, municipalities, they can essentially get a waiver for a year. And they work with the uh, Cal Recycle, the State Department um, of, uh, of Refuse Recovery, and they try to get a plan in place. They try to uh, figure out a way to find the funds and, and make this work. So a lot of people have asked me, okay, well, I haven't gotten these bins. I haven't heard anything about that. So it's also this implementation process um, that could take 
at least another year, which is why the, the 2025 goal um, feels ambitious, to say the least, in some cases. More with Chase after a quick break. He'll explain how you'll be directly affected by the new composting law if you live in California. And later, I'll chat with Chronicle reporter Dustin Gardner about the unique challenges facing our recycling industry. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Chase, composting is implemented unevenly across the state, but what should every California resident expect with this new composting law? It's something of an open question if you don't have that green bin. Um, I think a lot of people in California uh, aren't really familiar with the process of composting, why you should do it at all, um, or even what you can put in the bin uh, if you do have it. Something that kept uh, being brought up to me over and over again by farmers and academics is that ultimately we can't just rely on these big facilities like Recology uh, has out in Vernalis uh, and and the the slow plodding process of the state building this kind of infrastructure. The thing that people can essentially do now is if you have a backyard or even a back porch, if you live in a city, whatever it may be, you can uh, create your own compost. I mean, it's not that difficult to do it on a small scale. It doesn't smell great. Mm. (laughs) It's not something that a lot of people really want to dive in and do because there's uh, definitely some hurdles. Um, But if you have even a a small garden or houseplant, something like that, it's something that you can can create and and use yourself. And I think that's really a, a lot of the point here is this is something that the state is trying to do top down, but it's really something that can be done on on a small scale to stop uh, things like apple cores and organic material pouring methane into the atmosphere and take a little chunk out of this problem of uh, the warming planet that can feel so overwhelming. So this might all mean a renewed commitment to composting, incorporating it more into our personal lives, but it also means that California residents will have to understand why their trash bills will see increased costs. Is that right? That's right. And I mean, that's really a difficult sell. I mean, in talking to uh, waste managers of cities, places like Sacramento, the city of Sonoma, um, people who are on board with this, who have been working on this for a long time, are still getting these programs up and running. I mean, they talk about just getting just many, many emails from residents saying, where is my green bin? How can I not have to do this? My landlord doesn't want to let me have a green bin. I mean, there is this really small scale issue. But then the questions also pour in of why is my trash bill going up? Why am I suddenly paying an extra $11 a month uh, over the next two or three years? And that's a big question for a lot of people. Um, This is a time when inflation is really high, when um, Mm -hmm. it's difficult to pay every little extra penny for a lot of people. And uh, the question is, uh, is a hard sell. So it becomes not just a matter of educating people on how and why, but uh, the whole process of, of what they're trying to do there as uh, as far as what the state's vision is, especially when that process moves slowly and it's expensive. 
it's a big commitment that will have to be made by all California residents in some way. So before we end our conversation, can you give a quick reminder to our listeners? What's the best practice around composting? What do we need to know and make sure we don't get wrong in how we throw away our trash? I think the simplest thing is that if there's something that comes off a food scrap, it's an organic item, it's the skin off of an onion, it's an apple core, uh, in some cases, it's even packaging that's green packaging that says compostable on it. Uh, separate that and have a, a bin that you put it in. You can I tend to save the green bags from the grocery store that are compostable that you put produce in. And I fill those up. And when it gets full, I drop it in that green bin in my apartment building. Um, that That's the most basic thing that you, that you can do if you have access to one of those larger green bins. A lot of cities have programs now where you can email or call your local uh, refuse um, authority for you know wherever it may be, San Francisco, Berkeley, what have you, and they will uh, send you or you can go pick up a smaller bin that you can keep in your kitchen um, and you can put your, your refuse in there. So that, that's the simplest step. And then there's also the option of um, if you don't have a green bin in your apartment building or you want to contribute to something more locally, there are uh, different options for that, uh, you know, community gardens, that kind of thing, uh, places where people contribute essentially their own refuse and uh, to a larger pile of, uh, of compost that gets made to be put into, um, you know, growing food and flowers and, and things like that, um, especially in the Bay Area. Th- those are, are pretty common. And a little tip, if the smell of compost bothers people, I keep mine in the freezer and that works well too. That's a great tip. I have yet to start doing that, uh, but I think uh, I might have to start. Well, Chase, thank you so much. This is such an important topic that's going to affect California residents across the state, and I appreciate you helping explain it to us. Thank you for your time. Thanks so much. Chase DeFelici Antonio covers labor issues and tech culture, among other things, for The Chronicle. You can find his story about California's huge composting overhaul online now at sfchronicle.com or on The Chronicle app. Now let's talk about recycling. Dustin Gardner has been looking at that side of the state's trash infrastructure, and it's facing its own challenges. When you buy a can of soda or a bottle of beer in California, you pay an extra nickel or dime depending on the size of the drink. It's sort of like a deposit you can get back if you return that container to a recycling center. But now the state has a surplus of about $350 million in those nickels and dimes. Why? Because a ton of recycling isn't actually happening. Dustin, thanks for being here. What's going on? Yeah, so the bottle deposit program has been in a a downward spiral of sorts for about the last five um, or more years. And basically what's happening is there just aren't enough places for people to return their bottles. A lot of recycling centers throughout the state have been closing. And as a result, the program just has a lot lower participation than it used to have. And currently, only about 68% of the bottles and cans that people are paying deposits on are actually being recycled. And that's down from about 85% just um, in 2013, so not that long ago. So we've really just seen the, the program kind of take a rapid decline. And now the straight's really struggling to figure out how to get more recycling centers back open. And what are consumer advocates and other folks saying about this big surplus, which they think is a big problem? Yeah, so the surplus, um, you know, that's money that we've all paid in every time, you know, we, yeah, we buy a a bottle of beer or, you know, a sports drink or any kind of bottled beverage, almost every type of bottled beverage, except for wine and liquor, 
you're paying into this fund and people just aren't being able to get their money back because they don't have good options. Um, and I've heard from some uh, recycling advocates that say this, the surplus is even larger than what the state is publicly sharing. I'm going to be doing some more reporting on that in the near future, but they're saying that the state has far more money than it's, than it's letting on in the fund. So I think it's going to be a very hotly debated point in the next couple of months. We discussed with Chase about how composting is an issue just because of infrastructure issues. What are the key issues facing the recycling industry? I know it's a challenge even for green cities like San Francisco. Why has the practice just fallen off in recent years? Yeah, so, so as I alluded to earlier, the biggest problem is the the lack of recycling centers. So that, that really has impacted access for a lot of people. And it's especially a challenge in urban areas. San Francisco has become sort of the poster child for um, struggling to redeem bottles through the program. This, the city and, and the county actually has the lowest per capita redemption rate through the program because there are so few recycling centers. And there's been a couple of factors driving um, th- that closure of recycling centers. One of the big ones for cities like San Francisco is just the cost of real estate. Um, these recycling centers are often small businesses, um, but getting into that business has gotten a lot harder just because of the price of real estate, it's hard to find land in a city like San Francisco that can be used for this sort of work. Um, so that's one factor. Another big factor is just global changes in the recycling business. We've seen a lot of kind of chaos with the price of different commodities. Aluminum uh, prices tanked a couple of years ago. Now they're back up. But that drop really drove a lot of these centers out of business. And then also with plastic bottles, that market is almost completely vanished in a lot of areas because countries overseas like China and others have stopped taking that type of material from the U.S. Mm -hmm. So there's just been a kind of a perfect storm of factors that it's making it really hard for these centers to stay in business. So what is California doing to address this issue and what kinds of proposed solutions are are being offered? You know, the state has been doing little things to try and help um, recycling centers stay in business. They've, you know, been giving them a little bit of extra money And they've been working on pilot programs in different cities to try other types of recycling um, efforts. Um, But really, the the biggest challenge at this point is there just is no consensus in the state legislature about what approach the state should be taking. There's kind of two really um, diametrically opposed camps. On one side, you have people saying, let's let's make changes to keep the existing program and help centers stay open, give them extra subsidies, that sort of thing. On the other side, you have a group of legislators and advocates saying this system isn't working. We need to basically overhaul the entire thing and make the beverage industry responsible and make them provide enough places to recycle bottles and cans. And there's just been kind of an impasse in the legislature over that debate. And until they can decide what path the state wants to take forward, I don't know that the program is going to improve any. I mean, it kind of makes sense to me about, you know, hanging the responsibility on the beverage industry because they are the ones producing the containers after all. Why might people not be uh, supportive of that of that approach? Yeah. So the, the critics of that approach, you know, basically the, the waste haulers and groups like Californians Against Waste, a recycling advocacy group, they're saying don't scrap the existing system. It's been around for over three decades. It has been successful in past years. They're saying that more minor changes could make that system work again and could make that system improve quickly rather than, you know, taking the time to start up a whole new system. So they're saying, you know, basically doing things like providing more subsidies to recycling centers to offset their costs to make them profitable 
that 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 can help close the gap. And they also are a little bit skeptical of the beverage industry. They they say, you know, why would you want to give the responsibility of recycling over to these companies that have vested interest in continually selling, you know, more bottled water or more, more soda or more beer and that they don't really have a strong incentive to make sure recycling is effective. So while the state figures out how it's going to tackle this problem, there are more local efforts to try to help, right? San Francisco just launched a new program to help people deposit their bottles and cans directly. How does that work? And will sort of local strategies like this be enough? Yeah, so San Francisco is taking a really interesting approach. The The city is launching a mobile uh, bottle deposit program. And basically how it'll work is there's trucks that will drive around the cities and people can fill their uncrushed bottles and cans into bags and take them to these mobile redemption sites. And then you can download an app. And then once that bag is taken to the recycling plant, the bottles and cans are all counted. You'll be paid using that app. And then you can transfer the money to your bank account or to like a a payment site like Venmo or, or PayPal, for example. They're wanting to do something really creative and innovative um, to, to try to m- make it easier for people to recycle. But at the same time, the program has has already drawn a lot of criticism because as part of this pilot program, there's an exemption written into the state law that allowed for, for this pilot that basically lets um, grocery stores and retailers who um, had an obligation in the past to take back bottles and cans or pay fees if they didn't um, provide that service there's an exemption in the law that they don't have to do that. And so that let hundreds of retailers in the city off the hook. So effectively, people can't take bottles and cans back to grocery stores in San Francisco anymore, but they can take them to these new mobile sites. And I guess we'll, you know, we'll see over this next year if that approach really works out. Downloading an app to recycle bottles and cans and get money back is so San Francisco. I look forward to hearing how it works out. Dustin, thanks for chatting with me. Thank you so much. Dustin Gardner reports on the state capitol for The Chronicle. His story about that huge recycling surplus is online now at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. Thanks to Karen Creighton and King Kaufman for producing this episode, as well as Jessica Christian and Emily Jan from the Chronicle visual team. And thanks to you for listening.